If you're looking to save some money on your wireless plan, take a look at Visible Wireless. They're a transparent wireless carrier with nothing to hide. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible where you can get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon for just 25 bucks a month, taxes and fees included. One-line wireless, just 25 bucks a month with taxes and fees included. That's unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Switch now at Visible.com. You shouldn't judge a book by its cover, but you can judge a company by its name. Like Visible, the wireless company making wireless visible. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. What is happening, friends? Bam! It is time for Unlocked, baby. That's right, Audio Pops. This is going to be the disaster show. I got Paris, my friend here, joining us. Paris, thank you. Hey, thank you for having me on. I'm excited. I'm excited to be on the, the, the disaster episode. This is going to be fantastic. <laughs> We're very happy to have you. My other friend, Brandon Tyrell. Tyrell. Yeah, either way. I'm, I'm a little drunk. Hello. Hi. It's <laughs> I'm already, not actually It's drunk. already starting. I don't advocate for, for drinking or anything. On today's show, we're going to talk about the gothic remake Baldur's Gate 3 and a bunch of Phil Spencer and Xbox News. Intro, go! Hello, everybody. I'm your host, Destin Legary, bringing it down a notch from that hype <laughs> intro. You got to get the people in the seats, Brandon. Yeah. That's what I learned. Yeah. Paris, seriously, it's awesome that we were able to get you on the show. I really appreciate you making the time today. Yes. Thank you for having me. This is quite the honor. I have been a longtime listener of this podcast, so it is, it is quite a treat to be on. Well, you guys had a tremendous moment recently where you had phil spencer on your show why don't you tell us a little bit about recording that 1000th episode we're on, we're on 431 yeah. we gotta catch up i i know it's it's the craziest thing so gamertag radio is the podcast i'm a part of and we just celebrated our 1000th episode two weeks ago so we reached out to xbox because i told danny pena godfrey he he's the original host of the show the creator i told him if we're gonna have anybody for episode 1000 it had to be phil spencer the podcast started as an xbox podcast xbox has obviously been great to us over the years so we reached out you, you know how it all works with pr and everything so it took a little while to to get everything confirmed but he agreed to come on and uh, he actually tweeted that he wanted to come on when he was in japan back in january and uh we made it happen, recorded it, and uh, it was a great conversation with him. So just just thank you to Phil Spencer for coming on. It was really it was 30 minutes and was a really good conversation. Talked about a lot of different things in Xbox, exclusives, VR, Japan, Game Pass, just the whole gambit. Hearing him talk to you guys about your, you know, your level of professionalism and while you're critical of them, you're fair. I, th I think that was some, some healthy praise. And um, Yeah, yeah. Phil's, I Phil's did not expect nice that at all. Yeah, I, we were not expecting him to say anything like that at all for him to go out of his way at the end of the interview to make a point to say that 
Xbox, they, they want criticism because they want to get better. So, you know, I love Xbox, but I have been very critical of the path that they started back in 2013 with Xbox One. And to see all the changes that they have made coming up now as we enter the next generation is very exciting to see. So it was it was a very humbling comment for him to say that. Well, congratulations awesome. on a thousand episodes. Real quick, let's talk about some of the quotes, Brandon, that came out of the, the show that well, they let's did. Let's do it. Um, so... Paris, you wanted to talk about a few of the things that were touched upon during during that episode. And let's start with the VR comment. I believe that's the first one you sent over. It said, I, Phil Spencer said, I probably overstated for the people who love VR and the experiences that are being built. No disrespect to any of the teams there. My main point was I wanted to be clear with our customers on where our focus was. If somebody was waiting for us to bring out a headset for Series X at launch, I was just trying to say, we're not going to do that. We talked about this before on yeah, Brandon at length. Yeah, how do you feel about the whole VR aspect being incorporated to to next gen consoles? Uh, <clears throat> I mean, I understand it's a niche and, and there's a place for it in the sort of console ecosystem. Having said that, I don't think anyone, um, you know, going from a primary Xbox, you know, economy person like myself, I had no expectation that there was going to be a VR headset at launch. Um, I don't think any other Xbox fans really expect it. Um, and I don't think that's really where the effort and the worksmanship needs to lie, really. I think uh, delivering an awesome console at launch should be priority number one. And we saw last generation, like like Paris said, you know, a, a lot of decisions were made at the beginning of last generation in order to try to do more than I think needed to be done or, or more than, than, than really I think people wanted to be done, um, understanding your core audience, you know, with that, with that regard. But uh, I, I, I'm, I'm really kind of happy to see that because it, it shows that they're not really looking to grab every section of the market. They're looking to double down on, you know, really their core audience, which is, I think, what they missed last generation and, and – it's yet another reason. Again, like Paris said, the the, the moves that they've been making uh, leading up to the launch of the Series X really shows that they've they've actually you know got a, a good understanding of where they're going and what they're doing. And and this is another reason to to uh, another piece of evidence to to that regard. Paris, what was your takeaway about this this talking point? Do you feel like he was trying to like just clarify how he feels about VR? To me, it was pretty cut and dry. Yeah. And actually, quick story on that. Ryan McCaffrey actually started this whole thing because he <laughs> tweeted to, to Phil after the XO19 comments that started this whole thing with VR. I replied to Ryan and then Phil replied to me, which prompted me to say, hey, if I'm doing this interview, I have to ask him about this. Mm -hmm. And yeah, he, he clarified it because the point that I made to him was I wasn't looking for VR day one. I just wanted the door to be open. And then he mentions, hey, I played a Half-Life Alex," And my whole point to him was, I'm ready for VR 2.0. It looks like Half-Life Alex is kind of the start of that. And yeah. we're going to probably start to see more adoption of VR. So it would be a shame to see Xbox not embrace that when your audience is ready for it. But he is absolutely right focus on launching the series x first get your launch right into the next gen and then down the road start to look at vr yeah for sure personally i don't i don't care if xbox series s x doesn't run or launch with vr mm -hmm. i'm absolutely fine just using it as a gaming platform that's the way i use yep. my xbox one x currently you know that's my couch gaming machine that's where i'm playing hellblade that's where i'm playing when i want to hop into fortnite fortnite on console you know i like a lot of the free-to-play shooters 
hate me. Hate me in the comments below. But um, yeah, so I mean, strategy-wise, I, I just think the VR market's really small. It and is. I, and yeah. I don't think he necessarily needs to even be concerned about that. But saying that he is open to it in the future is, is good. That's awesome. And I think the question you have to ask yourself is, look, how many people are saying no VR headset is a deal breaker for me, my friend? <laughs> like, there, there, there aren't that many people who are holding out to make their purchase based on whether or not they're going to be able to play VR. Because you could pick up a Quest, right? Well, I think pre-orders started again, or, or the next wave of them. I know they were sold out for a while. But you can pick up a Quest right now and play Beat Saber if you want to. Yeah. And I have been like as a I am not a VR guy. I have never really uh, enjoyed it a whole lot. I think it's very cool. Um, but lately, the, the because of the quest and the accessibility of it and all that, uh, I've started to come around a little bit. Beat Saber helped a lot. Um, I really enjoy it. My Beat Saber is very fun. My girlfriend really enjoys it. Um, so, you know, I could see that being a cool sort of ancillary product for an ecosystem I'm in. That's not why I'm in that ecosystem. My wife played Beat Saber and hit me in the face at Guardian Con. It Aww. was wonderful. Uh, she really liked it, though. She didn't know it happened until later, so she felt really bad. But fun memory about VR. VR is dangerous. So that's how we feel about VR. Moving on, you also talked about launching the Series X. We're trying to think about things in a new way. We're definitely not going to be meek. We're going to be bold in what we're trying to do. And actually, I'm going to use that as an opportunity. Well, no, we'll, we'll keep the E3 conversation separate. So... Let's talk about Series X launch. Keep focused on that. And Paris, they're not going to be meek. We're going to be bold in what we're trying to do. In what way do you think they're going to be being bold? Well, I think we've already seen it mm -hmm. with the Game Awards. Mm -hmm. um, you know, being there and, you know, when Phil came out, I was like, what is he going to show Cuphead to or something? <laughs> I was like, I had, yeah. I had zero expectation. And then it was like, oh, my God, it's the actual console. They're showing it. They're naming it. And we got Hellblade 2 at the same time. Oh, so mm -hmm. they're, they're kind of showing that they're not going to follow the traditional model for a console launch. You know what I mean? So we may see other things throughout the year that are kind of unorthodox with the way that they're presenting the new hardware, their approach with not having completely exclusive games, things like that. Mm -hmm. So I'm excited to see it uh, because, I mean, he said in the interview that it was actually a person on his marketing team that stood up in a meeting and was like, we have to do something different because the old way clearly isn't working because we're not the market leader anymore. Yeah. So one of the stories that we've been talking about on IGN this week is the, the price point thing. Mm -hmm. Sony is apparently strategically going to wait yeah. to reveal their price. Kind point. of a wait and see approach. Yeah. In your opinion. Yeah. What would your play be here, Brandon? Like, how would you handle this, this reveal of the price? Do you just come out and just say it of Microsoft? Yeah. For Microsoft, they're yeah. going to be first, right? Uh, I mean, that's a great question. You know, I, I, if you had asked me last generation, I, you know, I, I would have had a different answer, but right now enough has changed where I'm, I'm kind of in a, in a unique position where I get to sit back and I, I I'm not a hundred percent sure what's going to happen. I think there's a lot of, everything is very fluid right now. There's a lot of wait and see kind of how it shakes out, which is sort of what Sony is doing. And if you remember, um, you know, we were in this exact same position five years ago now where Sony came out right after Microsoft and we're like, oh, by the way, here's a counterpoint to everything that they said that you might not have agreed with. Um, backwards compatibility, et cetera, et cetera, mm -hmm. you know, barring games and whatnot. So I imagine if in my ideal world, uh, Microsoft matches. I don't think that's possible um, just based on, you know, what I've the rumors that I've seen and, and, and sort of the tech specs or, you know, I know nothing's super official right now, but 
Um, in a perfect world, I think they price match. And I think that Microsoft eats, similar to the 360, I think Microsoft eats profit for two, three years, maybe three years. Um, but they come out and they say, hey, this is the Xbox Series X. It's $500. You can buy it now. Doesn't matter what anybody else does. Sony comes out and says, this is the PS5. It's 450 Sony can't really compete with Microsoft financially in that yeah. regard. So I think when they say bold, I would love for them to be like, look, we need to eat money on every Series X that we sell because that is how we are, by de facto, buying back market share. Mm-hmm. You know, they're losing $100 on every console, but they're using that $100 to buy back their place in the, uh, in the industry. The building in, community. In the market, yeah. What's your take, Paris? What would your plan be with the price point thing? I actually completely agree that I, I don't see Microsoft pricing this over $500, no matter what PlayStation does. And I think part of their bold strategy and something they could use in their messaging is Game Pass. Uh, we joke mm-hmm. all the time that at a minimum, every Series X should launch with 90 days of Game Pass. 100%. If not, yeah. If not, go all the way bold and say the first year, we're just giving you Game Pass for the first year if you buy the Series X to kind of counter if PlayStation is lower at yeah. 450 or if they could somehow get to 399 to say, you already own Halo, you already own Forza, you own our first year lineup and all this back catalog of games yeah. for the first year <laughs> without having to spend another dime. To me, that would be the smartest thing to do if they're going to truly be bold. That's actually incredibly intelligent because that sets them in a place. If they say we're launching at four ninety nine, even if Sony comes out at a lower price point, they're like, well, for the first 90 days, you're getting every game that launches on the console. Yep. You're also going to get access to this, this, this. We're giving you yep. these things. Well, every, so like when you every make first party game. Package, every yeah, first party game. Every first party game. So if, if they start... If they strategize and package it in that way, I think that would be incredibly powerful for Xbox, even if Sony was like, Sony's going to do what? At max, 50 bucks cheaper? Mm. I don't think they could do like 100. I don't know. What, what well, that, that's the thing is like Ryan and I played a fun game of, uh, you know, the valuation of companies <laughs> and Microsoft is up there with Apple and Amazon. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sony is not. So I know there are divisions within these corporations, so you can't really say one-to-one. Like maybe Sony's game division is around what micro, or Microsoft's Xbox division is. I'm not really sure, but I can't imagine that Sony can compete financially with Microsoft if they take a page out of la- or two generations ago's playbook, which is, look, we need to buy our way back into the gaming audience, yeah. the core gaming audience. And to do that, we're going to have to eat 50 bucks. We're going to have to eat 100 bucks on every console we sell. And I think Paris is absolutely right. And not only Game Pass, you package in three months of Xbox Ultimate, which is gold and Game Pass. You get them into the ecosystem. You give them everything you need. And the first, the the launch window for any console is always fairly, I don't want to say boring. You have your real big upfront sexy games, right? You've got your your racing game that shows off the the tech and yeah. the graphics and the visuals. You've got your your franchise, you know, you got your Halo. Um, but you know, the the six months that follows is a lot of like uh multi generational ports and uh you know, uh multi generational or cross generational games that come out that maybe don't make the fullest extent of of the console. But that's where Game Pass comes in is because not only do you have the games that you are absolutely going to be playing on Game Pass because they're first party and the third party uh, games because, you know, Call of Duty is still the best selling franchise in the industry. Um, You've got those things, but you've also got 200 games that you can play while you're waiting for that next killer uh, piece of software to drop. Hmm. It's genius. And and I don't I don't see 
with that strategy, and I'm looking for wood to knock on here, but I don't see how they can lose it if they, if they apply yeah. that strategy. Get them in the door. Give them everything they need. You both bring up excellent points. I think my point's a little silly now that I was going to bring up, but I'll just say it anyway. So <laughs> I, I want to get your, your temperature on this one. Thanks for um, prefacing. <laughs> so I was wondering, like, what if Microsoft just during their press conference, and what would your reaction be to this mm-hmm. if they just said straight up and we'll match the price for the first year on the, on the PS5? No matter what price point that they come out at, we'll match that price. This week's podcast unlocked is brought to you by NordVPN. Hey, if you're watching a lot of sports like me and you hate blackouts, NordVPN is a great way to go. You can use NordVPN, a virtual private network, to watch live sporting events, TV shows, films that aren't available in your region by switching your virtual location to a country that is showing that event. No more blackouts. It's also good for plenty of other stuff like protecting your private data, your bank details, your passwords, your online identity. You can protect your data while you're traveling and using public Wi-Fi. NordVPN protects you wherever you are in the world. NordVPN threat protection also protects you from viruses, malware, and phishing sites. NordVPN is also the fastest VPN in the world. No buffering or lagging while you're streaming, and it will stop your ISP bandwidth throttling. NordVPN is the price of a cup of coffee a month, so that is a super affordable, great way to go. To get the best discount off of your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com slash Unlocked without the E. That's N O R D V P N dot com slash U N L O C K D, and that'll give you four extra months on the two year plan. And best of all, there's no risk with Nord's 30 day money back guarantee. NordVPN.com slash unlocked without the E. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, man. Put in, put in this code, like, E3 2020, yeah. and we'll match the price on any retailer partnership. Financially, it's fine. Uh, I don't think that that is bold, though. Mm-hmm. I think that is... Very clearly like, hey, we want the market. So if you buy, if, if you see a PS5 for lower than an Xbox Series X, we'll price match it rather than, hey, this is the price of the Xbox Series X. We can give it to you at this price. We know the PS5 costs mm. this much. You can pick which one you want. Because they're going to have a pretty good idea what the pre- PS5 is going to be priced at. Well, we, we know already how know it's 450 to 5. Yeah. Yeah. So we know that. So they launch at 499. Yeah. Right? I think it's, I think yeah. it's just an optics thing for me. Mm-hmm. I think... If you come out and you price it at what the PS5 is and you say this is the cost of the Series X for the foreseeable future, mm-hmm. that is one thing. 
And if you come out and you say, look, we're going to match whatever the PS5 costs, that feels like uh, you're playing from second place. And again, the difference might be small, but it very much yep. does seem like an optics thing. Yeah. A $50 difference isn't that big, Paris. There's no world where Sony comes out and says $399. That's just not going to happen, right? If the rumors are true, I, I just I can't see them again. Like like uh, Brandon mentioned earlier, Sony just financially, I can't see them taking hundreds of millions of dollars of a loss mm -hmm. for the first couple of years to try and stay at that magical three ninety nine. Yeah, I think PlayStation has is a big enough brand at this point that if they have to go to four fifty or five hundred, people are going to be okay with that. Um, and to kind of answer what you just said a second ago about. Um, play you know microsoft just saying they'll match the price it would be kind of great e3 showmanship mm -hmm. to say that but i think from a confidence standpoint from a leadership standpoint they should come out and be confident with the price that they say and give the messaging on why like just say it's 4.99 yeah. say why this is worth 4.99 and then mm -hmm. obviously promote the fact that this isn't the only platform that you can play your xbox games on if you don't want to spend 4.99 first year we're still letting you play them on the xbox one xcloud is coming you can yeah. play them on the pc as well give those options out there to say that we've made this monster of a machine it is more than worth the 499 price tag but if you're not ready for that right now here's option b c and d mm -hmm. that, that's what i would do totally agree and and <clears throat> there's a lot of talk about how well i can get this first party game on the pc so it's technically not an xbox exclusive like, ah. yeah you totally can <laughs> yeah. microsoft doesn't care what you play their games on you <laughs> are part of the family if you have a phone a pc or an xbox mm -hmm. as long as you're playing microsoft games they consider you part of their family or part of that ecosystem um microsoft and xbox has done an excellent job of inclusionary language mm -hmm. and pushing other people's buttons like hey why don't you have crossplay on your game? It's really great. You should have crossplay, and yeah. it puts them in the good guy, good guy seat. Yeah. It does, and and the counter argument to that is, well, last generation, you know, mm -hmm. the PS4 wanted to do crossplay with the 360, or it doesn't matter. Like, mm -hmm. yeah, okay, maybe there's a lot of it's totally flip. There's a lot of competition, you know, by generation by generation. I understand why the the market share leader wouldn't want you to be able. You know, to do crossplay because then you're you're inviting other people to spend money in other other ecosystems and other platforms. But yeah. bottom line is, uh, Microsoft is being very inclusive with how they're handling their onboarding of you know the core audience that they're they're looking for. And um, I don't think there's a really wrong way to uh, to be part of that Xbox community now, <laughs> which is awesome. Absolutely. I love digging into just like, where's their mindset at? What are they thinking? On exclusives, this is the one that Xbox gets hit with the most. Obviously, we built our strategy with Series X. We started with that in mind. We wanted to go build a gaming console that was going to be the absolute best. We could deliver on a television and deliver unique capability to creators that they could use to go create the best games. But you don't want to do that to the exclusion of everybody else. And you also want to do that hand-in-hand -hand with developers because developers want to find the widest audience possible. And yes, we are always, there are always trade-offs, always trade-offs. <laughs> I'm not going to dictate to every third-party studio what they have to support, but what we see in today's world, this is a long quote, sorry, everybody, <laughs> is that gamers want to go and play games with their friends regardless of what device those friends are on, the point we were just making largely. Mm -hmm. People want to have the largest selection of games open to them. Paris, this is a long quote you sent me. <laughs> and, <laughs> and developers want to make use of the best technology that is available. We built this plan with all three of those as inputs, and we feel really good about where we are. 
Yeah. <laughs> See, it's long, but but I think that was kind of needed that it was long yeah. because I, I purposely asked him that question in the interview because obviously there was the big controversy after what Matt Booty said about, mm-hmm. hey, we're first year, we're not going to have exclusive games. But it kind of goes back to what we were just saying. They don't care where you play play their games. And they're basically saying, hey, we're the Windows company. We've been in the PC space for a while. This thing is basically a PC. 100%. So there's going to be a low spec. There's going to be a medium spec, a high and an ultra spec. And, th- and that's how they're treating their games moving forward. And I know people freaked out about that, but I, I think choice is good. I don't see this, especially in the first year, being a bad thing. Because like you said at the top, most first year launch games aren't that great anyways. So you're, you're not going to be missing out on that much. If anything, it allows people that can't afford to spend $4.99 to hold on to their Xbox One X, which I think is really their Trojan horse in all of this, mm-hmm. and play that out until the price drops. We all win. I've uh, talked about it on the show. Like I'm, I don't know if I'll get a Series X immediately. I will definitely get a Series X for, work, it, yeah. for work. But if it's if the games are running fine on my Xbox One X for yeah. like the first year and there's nothing like pressing that I need to experience on the Series X on my home, home rate, let's be honest, I'm going to buy one day one. I know you are. I'm just such a <laughs> But I'm going to let you finish this point. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Um, the whole time I'm thinking like, you liar. <laughs> Paris is right. You are right. This is a huge market. They have this huge install base. They're already winning on that front from yeah. day one. So, yeah. What about exclusives, though? What about them? So here's what they said about E3. Ori the Game is special. So he responded like, what are your plans for E3? Phil Spencer said, Ori the Game is special. Reading internal notes from people playing through another amazing game by Moon. Next E3 meeting is today as we're recording this. So Microsoft is meeting about E3. Oh, they're going to miss all our great feedback. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, they'll they'll have another meeting. You guys can have a follow-up. Just kidding. Uh, Next E3 meeting is today. Tons to talk about between now and E3. And deep portfolio of XGS games for E3. Xbox Game Studios, Aaron Greenberg doing work. Console launch years are just special. Mm-hmm. And he's absolutely right. Um, I, I we, we actually talked about this last episode. What did we say, Brandon? We said we want to see Fable. We want to see... I mean, what Like, did, in an ideal world. What didn't we want to see? Yeah. yeah. I think it's probably a shorter list. Do you remember all of them? Fable was on the top of our tongue. Yeah, I mean, I wanted Tip. to see... I wanted to see Fable. I wanted to see Crimson Skies again. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, something from the Mech Assault line, I'm sure. There are... Perfect Dark Rumor... There is a perfect dark rumor, emphasis on the rumor. I know there was a picture going around of uh, Drew Murray and Phil Spencer over at the initiative. Spencer's got a controller in his hand, and he's looking at a screen, and Murray's looking at him with childlike bemusement. <laughs> and uh, I really love that picture, and so much so that I, I uh, photoshopped a little, like... 10% opacity, perfect dark, Joanna Dark into Drew Murray's, <laughs> the reflection of Drew Murray's glasses. Yeah. Uh, and then I didn't send it anywhere because I don't want to add to the problem <laughs> that it's just a rumor. Yeah. Um, but that could be coming back. You know, uh, I'm, Rare's up to a bunch of different stuff. There, there's a lot of stuff that we could see uh, as exclusives in the, in the coming generation. Um, but what I'm most interested in are new IP from Xbox. Everything that we have is, I love, I love me my Halo. Yeah, I love me my, uh, you know, I, I'm not a huge Gears guy. Nothing against the series. It just never really grabbed me. You're off the show. <laughs> Miranda's not here. I'm yeah. I love me my Halo. I love me my Fable. I would love to see more of that. I'm a big fan of Horizon. I love what, you know, those guys are doing. Um, I want to see the next big thing. I want to see the next franchise that Absolutely. I can't live without. And I feel like it's been a long time since we've seen that from Microsoft. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but when's the last, like, huge tentpole game that... 
you know, I say it every week, and, and I'm sorry if I sound like a broken record, but Sony knows exactly who their audience is and what they want. They want gritty, cinematic, third-person action games that really pull you in and make you live in a dark, mysterious, gritty world. Mm-hmm. Microsoft doesn't have an answer to that currently. They have, they have Hellblade. The closest one they have, I'm going to play the asset right now, is Hellblade, and hopefully it's the right asset this time. <laughs> right. Nailed yeah. it. They have Hellblade, and Hellblade's fantastic. I reviewed it. I loved it. I said everyone should play it, even if it's not your cup of tea, because it... Even if you don't like it as a video game, it's got some stuff in there that might make you think. I really, really love that game. I'm super stoked for Hellblade 2. I want to see the next... What what I'm hoping was... Hell, Hellblade was an excellent sort of 10, 12... I forget exactly how long it is, but 10, 12-hour game. You reviewed it, right? I did, I did yeah. yeah. Um, excellent 10, 12-hour game. Um, I'm really hoping that, that they treat Hellblade as a proof of concept for a much larger world... But at the same time, I don't want them to lose that intimacy, that real sort of internal monologue intimacy that they had in the first game mm-hmm. in, in the sequel. It seems like from the B-roll you're seeing right now, it seems a lot like it's going to be a much larger area, whether that translates to play space or not. I, I don't really know. But it seems like they're going to establish more mythos and in, in, uh, in, in sort of the universe of, of Senwa. Brandon, so, I adore this trailer. Really, really quick to just interject. Yeah. Jurgen's performance and Xbox saying this is what the Series X is capable of. Even if you don't like Hellblade, your brain starts imagining the possibilities of what your favorite properties could do, what storytelling capabilities this console could have. I absolutely love this trailer. I wish more people would have watched it. <laughs> it was very popular when it came out. I just, I wish people saw the same thing that I did. Right. Yeah. Sorry, uh, I, sorry I interrupted It's you. fine. I uh, basically, I was getting long-winded anyway. Yeah. I have a... Uh, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no, no. I, I have a... Uh, I was trying to think of my next work. I have a... And I would love to get Paris's intake on this as well, but um, I have a need to find the next franchise that I uh, will be playing and obsessively thinking about every four or five years. Paris, we're talking about E3 exclusives, content on the Xbox... Do you have any dreams? Like, what would your dream exclusive be on the Xbox? Or are you like Brandon? Do you want to see more uh, new IPs? I have two words. Banjo, <laughs> Kazooie. I, if, if there's any <laughs> old IP that they bring back, that's the one for me. Bring back Banjo as a true platformer. Put it on Xbox. Put it on PC. Nintendo Switch. ColecoVision. I don't care. Just bring back Banjo Kazooie. I, I just adored that franchise, and and it's just a shame that it sat on the shelf this long. Now, I also have another thing that you brought about Perfect Dark. So this ties in the new IP thing. So we have a thing on our show called What If, where mm-hmm. we just do crazy conspiracy theories. All now, right. <laughs> I don't think I don't think. Phil was looking at Perfect Dark when he was at the Santa Monica studio. Yeah, I think I think Santa Monica studio is making a new IP, but I do think Perfect Dark is coming Mm -hmm. and I think it's coming from the coalition. And the reason I say that is conspiracy. Mm -hmm. Go back to E3 2013 when it was still called Black Tusk. It wasn't the coalition. They showed a concept back then of a game that they were making that obviously got shelved because it became the coalition. They started making gears, right? Well, let's just say gear six doesn't come right away. What if they're, they're doing perfect dark and they're using those old assets. That, that's all. That's my conspiracy. Interesting. <laughs> conspiracy theory, conspiracy theory hats on Brandon. <laughs> yeah. I what's, like it. What's your rebuttal? I don't have a rebuttal. I hope so. Yes. <laughs> let's do it. If coalition did that, that would be so cool. And it would be so unexpected. I would love to see who's leading the project though. 
That's what I'm curious. About. Not Rod. No, I know. Yeah, so that's literally not Rod. It's an interesting. All right, everyone, let's put our tinfoil hats <laughs> on. Uh, you know, Rod went over to, to lead up Diablo, which yeah. means that maybe new direction, new blood. Maybe there was a change coming. Ooh, you know, maybe not that you know Rod wanted. I'm saying if they were going to do another Gears game, and maybe Rod didn't want to, that's one thing. But maybe they have two teams, or maybe something else is in development. And it was a, it was a nice clean time for rod to go on and work to work on another franchise that he was passionate about yeah i mean if you look at how he left it wasn't on bad terms not at all i even even saw a picture like aaron greenberg was up there and they're all taking pictures together so they're leaving on on great terms so that if there were a project that was i'm I'm sure he's turning it over into good hands oh absolutely chaos as, as he walks out the door so it may not be perfect, Dark. That's just a crazy conspiracy theory. I, I, I do. I would say this though: as much as I like Gears, I hope their next game is not Gears, mm. and I th- I want to see Gears take a break because Gears Five was good, but I think the 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 Gears model has kind of run its course, and they need to reinvent themselves a little bit more than they already have. So yeah, they I already... hope we don't. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. They just did with four and five. Yeah, wasn't and if, that the point? If, if that's not working, then that's a problem, you know? And, and, and that's what I mean. I, I, I think it works as being good games. Gears 4 and especially 5 were good games, but they weren't great games. I don't I don't have the feeling that I had during the prime of Gears from, you know, 1, 2, and 3 that I've had with 4 and 5. I played them. I enjoyed it. And I was kind of done. I'm like, all right, I'll move on to something else. Where back in those days, Gears 2, Gears 3, I I played it over and over and over, especially the multiplayer. But I don't know. I just kind of think it, I I like that they dipped their toe into the open world, maybe embrace that more, maybe embrace the RPG side of it more. But Gears needs just a little extra more to kind of get it over the top, in my opinion. So what about the Halo franchise? It's about, been around just about as long. How do you feel about Halo? Tread lightly, my friend. Tread lightly. (laughs) Yeah, I'm glad you brought that one up because I have said on numerous times, and I said it to Phil Spencer directly, Halo Infinite is the most important yep. game yep. Xbox has ever made. 100%. They cannot, that? they cannot screw this up because after 5, I was extremely disappointed with 5, just, yeah. just me personally as a gamer. I might have and said one or two things about it. Lock? Yeah. <laughs> so they've clearly taken a break on purpose, and they're obviously the Slipstream engine. It looks like there may be some quasi-open world things going on there. You know, you and I both love Destiny. I do not think it's a Destiny clone. I don't think it's a live service, yeah. yeah. They got to do something that isn't just classic Halo or people just going to rubber stamp it. Eh, It's just more Halo. They got to do something that when they show it at E3, we're just floored. I know today they just announced an esports partnership as well. So I know they're going to go all in a multiplayer, but they got to recapture that magic of Master Chief, Cortana, and making me care about that relationship because I just did not care about it in five. So if they can get that campaign right, obviously maybe have some co-op strike type things that happen in the end game. I don't know. And then obviously the multiplayer is, I'm sure going to be fine. That's what Halo Infinite has to be for me anyways. But again, if they screw this up, they're risking the franchise yeah. just not being relevant anymore. hundred percent. There is such a thing as uh, too many of a not, so great thing right too much of a not so great thing um yeah. you know coming off one two and three clearly phenomenal games i really enjoyed reach as well four was new and i personally really love the um the librarian and didact exchanges in the yeah. terminals in halo 3 so that story really spoke to me and then 
you know, you started to see sort of the elements that were leading into five and then five landed. And I, I, I don't think I'm being disrespectful to say that it was not received as well as, you know, what you would assume a Halo game would be received as. You monster. I know, right? <laughs> How could you say I'm that? So, I'm trying to be so political right now, <laughs> walking such a tightrope. Um, no, really, I think it was probably the weakest of the Halo games, just flat out. Um, with re- sing- single player anyway, but to par- no, you're right. To, I'm just joking. to Paris. It starred it starred Luke Cage. That's that's all I have to say. <laughs> on it. It, Luke Cage was the main character, and, and Master yeah. Chief was a was a guest star. He's a hero for hire, and, and he found himself in the Halo universe. The other thing is the marketing of that game. Pit the Master Chief versus did Locke. not deliver at all, yeah, and that, that is not, not what happen. that game is. That game is not a clash no. of titans. That game is a Easter egg hunt. Um. However, I think Paris is 100% right. You stand on the precipice of casting Halo into the abyss. No, into just not being relevant. Irrelevancy. Yeah. Like, if Halo is no longer a top tier, Halo is the flagship of Xbox. Heretic! Yeah. (laughs) Demon! Halo is the flagship of Xbox. If you lose Halo... um, you you really you, I mean you that's your identity you risk damaging your brand yeah. and your identity as as Completely a as agree. a platform and an ecosystem so this is really the moment where Halo three four three need to step up and deliver something that will blow us away fortunately and this is just my opinion everything that I have seen has me thinking that they are going in an excellent direction for it. Yes. And I genuinely believe that not only will we be blown away by the story and the the tech behind it, mm-hmm. powering it, I think they're going to create enough uh, fresh blood in the mechanics and the gameplay of it to really maybe not rewrite the book, but at least add chapters, right? Or maybe format yeah. it differently. Yeah. I like. I agree with Paris. I don't think it's going to be a games of service. I don't think we're looking at Halo, the Destiny game, but I think that they are going to destroy uh, this. They're going to knock this out of the park, and and I'm very hopeful for. I and, hope so. Yeah. And I think. Yeah, I really hope so. I think it speaks back to Phil's uh, comment about being bold at E3. I think they come out on stage and they're like, "Look, we already announced the Series X. Uh, here's the price point. Also." Here's Halo. And then he just Game walks play. off stage. And it's, yeah. oh. Here's, cam- you know? here's our first campaign mission. Here's a multiplayer map in action. Like, here's how we're supporting it with the, the eSports initiative that, we, that was announced today. He's, man, they could just drop the hammer with a really, really great hit. That's what I'm so, saying, man, is yeah. like game developers are smart. Game developers are savvy. They know exactly. They are also the harshest critics. So if you think that they're resting on the laurels of 1, 2, 3, Reach, ODST, um, you're insane because they are going to feel every single thing everybody has said about Halo 5 and they're going to understand the position that they're in now. And I find it very hard to believe that they're going to deliver anything other than a good, great, amazing Halo game. Yeah. But that's that's just my Agreed. personal thought. We have about 10 minutes of studio space left, so I did want to talk about some more general news. Yeah. This has been a great conversation about Xbox. I've really, really enjoyed that. Thank you. Is that what we it. talk about on this podcast? Well, yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I just wanted to talk about all the Xbox stuff from Paris' show and, you know, just what's been going on. There was a 4chan leak. It's 4chan. So I said, I'm not going to talk about it. Yeah. Sorry, 4chan. Um, I did want to talk about what's up with Kingdom Hearts. Kingdom Hearts is out. It's like $3,000 on Xbox and it's $20 on PS4. What happened there? Dude, I've have no- you guys noticed this story? 
No, no, so please fill me in. Miranda wanted me to talk about this. Apparently, like the collection of games is $60, then Kingdom Hearts 3 is like $60. So the Xbox user base ends up paying way more. Like 120 the, for the whole thing? I think it's like, I'm speaking off the cuff, obviously. It's much, much more expensive to play on the Xbox platform. And it, it's really, really weird because it's, coming out, it's coming out much further down the line yeah. than what it was. And some of the people in the Facebook Unlock group brought this up. So okay. I just want to let our listeners know, maybe chill on Kingdom Hearts for a little bit if you can, because <laughs> you're going to be paying a very high price point. And hopefully Xbox can ad- the Xbox team can address that concern that the community has brought up. Yeah, I don't know why that would be. Uh, just I mean, I, exclusivity, I, right? I, I know there are, who mul- set, who there are multiple editions. I didn't think Kingdom Hearts was an exclusive still. Is it? No, I think that's what happened. I think it opened up. Yeah. And it's very expensive on the other platform. But then why would the price point be higher on Xbox over Sony or whatever? That is an excellent question, cool. Brandon. So do we just get down to the brass tacks of it? <laughs> that is the brass tacks of it. Uh, why, why are Xbox owners getting hosed? That's a bummer. I know. Let's follow up. Yeah. Um, we will. Paris, you got, you got the Project X Cloud running on your phone. Yes. And on a tablet. Yes, do. do you have it there yes. right now? Are you playing right now during the show? Uh, no, I could have been, but <laughs> it's right yeah. here. Yeah, the the iOS beta finally came out uh, last week, and uh, I know it was ten thousand people, and and I magically got in. Shout out to Xbox. I don't know what happened, but I got in, and uh, yeah, I played. Been playing on the iPhone. I've been playing on my iPad Pro, which I'm now a thousand percent convinced that is the optimal way to do this whole cloud streaming stuff because I, I take my. Yeah, my, you know, just prop up my iPad, Bluetooth controller, because uh, it's only the Master Chief collection on iOS right now. Mm. So I'm playing Halo Reach, and it was just seamless. It was fine. It, I had no problems. Even taking it on the go with my iPhone over LTE, I'm on T-Mobile. And, uh, you know, a little bit of lag here, a little bit of lag there. But as far as just, hey, I'm trying to kill time for a few minutes, mm. let me hop in and play a little bit, worked great. Worked yeah. absolutely great, which... Is why I've I've been saying from the get this whole cloud streaming stuff with Stadia, X Cloud, GeForce Now as a supplement. I love it. Yeah. I think it's just something to kill time with. It's fantastic. I need to grind out a bounty in Destiny. Just hop yeah, on exactly. your Project yeah. X Cloud. Hop on yeah. your Nvidia, whatever. Any of the platforms really, except Stadia. Yep. They're all great. <laughs> well, I mean, <laughs> I think you're right though. I think it's yeah. a cool. It's very cool supplemental technology, and I think it's going to go a long way in that regard. But you've had companies like NVIDIA who've tried to make it, make it their main platform for a long time. I mean, I remember doing And they just came out with a new one. That's pretty good. I know. But I remember the, the Shield handheld device yeah. that was supposed to be streaming and, and change everything. So, you know, I think it's got a ways to go before you eschew all the other forms of pla- and platforms to play your games on. But, man, can you imagine the possibilities of, like, an xCloud that gives you all your games on the go? I, got, I actually have to. I, that would be awesome. And I have to internally at IGN give Bo props. He's been analyzing like he's been doing it with um, the X Cloud. He's been doing it with Stadia. I'm sure he's hopefully been doing it with the iOS version of Project X Cloud. He's like really, really interested in this technology, yeah. and he's been doing great analysis on IGN. So props, Bo. He doesn't listen to this show, but the rest of the world does. <laughs> the Xbox world. Um, what else? What is he going to talk about? Oh, geez, the actual news. This is a minor one, but Baldur's Gate three is going to be at PAX. Here's the crazy trailer that they played. Do either of you guys play Baldur's Gate? It's been about over a decade easily the last yeah. time I played. Will you, BT? 
It was really goofy. I loved it. This is what they posted on Twitter. Yeah, Sven's great. He's the CEO of the company. Yeah? Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, the guy, the guy in the armor is the CEO. Uh, yeah, I play Baldur's Gate. I also play a crap ton of Dungeons & Dragons. Um, I've been following this <laughs> super closely. I've talked to you know the head of 5th edition for D&D, and I've talked to Sven personally about it. And I'm super stoked. And how, how big is this announcement for context for listeners like me? Who don't know what's going on. <laughs> I actually didn't watch a trailer because there's reasons. But there's uh, spoilers. No, 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 no. There's other reasons. Uh, okay. So I don't actually know what was announced. Well, in, it's in the it's going to be at PAX. Okay. And it's just them in suits and them with like doing the production stuff. At least someone's going to be at PAX. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm, uh, reference to the fact that uh, the coronavirus Sony, took out Sony, Sony and everybody else. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah, so this will be the gameplay reveal of it. I'm very, very excited as a big old nerd that uh, I'm going to get to play this. And, whew, yeah, this is a big one. All right. Well, Brandon Stoke, let us know how you feel in the comments below. I just want to make sure you guys get your news before we have to head out. And then THQ also revealed a gothic remake. Here's yeah. the trailer for that. Hopefully it plays the right ass. I don't know what the hell's going on. Uh, <laughs> uh we are up to the challenge to develop a full gothic remake, which will stay as faithfully as possible to the original experience and transport the atmospheric world of gothic into a high-quality look and carefully modernizing certain gameplay mechanics. That's cool. Did you play gothic? Uh, I did, yeah. Paris, did you play gothic at all? No, I, I did I am not. so glad Brandon's here today. <laughs> uh, yeah, goth- gothic is like... Uh, gothic is uh, not your normal fantasy rpg game it was uh kind of ahead of its time it was very okay so here's the premise of gothic and I'll, I'll transport it into a modern time you have a prison and that prison is manufacturing license plates i'm in and you need these license plates because they're the only license plates that work for whatever reason are you serious this is the the concept it, it, like it, you can tra- i'm translating oh, it oh, out okay, of the okay, fantasy okay, trope okay. so right, it's more digestible yeah. um However, there's uh, the, 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 the prisoners rioted and took over, and there's no way in or out of the prison. So now uh, it's basically a society in and of itself. And you are thrown into that prison, and now you have to uh, maneuver all the politics of it where the prisoners have become the guards. So there's a weird kind of like Lord of the Flies element to it where, you know, or, uh, I'm sorry, not Lord of the Flies, um, Animal Farm element to it where, you know, the... Uh, you become what you you rebel against yeah it's weird socioeconomic politics and it's it's a little more uh mature than i think most rpg games are and it's super hard it's like you die for no reason dude i gotta be honest you just sold me on the game uh it's pretty cool uh there's a it came out decades ago so there's a bunch of reviews online and you can play it on gog right now as well i know that for sure maybe on steam um it has not aged particularly well. It looks <laughs> an awful lot like EverQuest 1. Um, so, you know, buyer beware. But it is a cool idea. It's a cool premise. It's less about like, go fight a dragon and more like, hey, you are at the bottom of the pecking order, hero. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a fallout story, really. Try to survive against these chickens. And eventually you start your journey to be, you know, the chosen one or, or whatever. I can't remember the actual hook of it. But... The game makes no qualms about how you are just a bug in this world, and you need to behave that way. Okay. Yeah, it's cool. Um, I'm totally not surprised they're redoing it because this kind of this kind of sort of I don't know mature take on fantasy is right in line with what we're seeing these days. I'm it, interested. Game of Thrones, The Witcher, like yeah. these these are the stories that strip away the you know 
uh, fantastical outfit. the bloom lighting and the vaseline on the lens <laughs> and and really like dig into the uh the meaty you know sort of underbelly of fantasy which is what i'm all about i love it that's really cool i'm glad i picked two things right up your alley brandon hey thanks, thanks for giving us more context uh happy Paris, to be useful paris you're you're great dude. what are you talking about <laughs> um paris real quick where can people find you where can people watch your stuff so uh, you can find the podcast Gamertag Radio at GamertagRadio.com. Pretty simple. And obviously on your favorite RSS feed, just search Gamertag Radio. And uh, I also have a YouTube channel. Awesome. And it is YouTube. It's a stupid URL. YouTube.com slash C slash G. But it's Marcelo 696. But if you search my name, P-A-R-R-I-S, you can find me on YouTube. And of course, we're on Twitch. So Twitch.tv forward slash Gamertag Radio. And uh, if you want to see the ramblings of an angry old man, you can find me on Twitter <laughs> at I'm at vicious six nine six. Cool. BT, you got anything to plug? Oh gosh, yeah. We just uh, we put up a preview today of Amazon Games Studio, uh, their new MMO. New World. Yeah, their new MMO RPG coming out called New World. Uh, very PvP centric, but awesome writer named David um, David Jagnow. Uh, filed his preview today and it's, props david i follow you on twitter yeah it's live on the side go check that out um we also did that rundown feature the everything you need to know about yeah that that, that, that <laughs> i didn't want to mention it but that yeah. came out like a few days before this preview dropped no it came like, out like a week ago oh did it yeah oh, it's been okay. up there for a week because it had a really slow burn on views but oh. it broke 100k like today nice cool yeah. Well, yeah, you can go check all that out and uh, the everything we know is linked to in the preview. So, so you can find all that information. But yeah, just business as usual. Preview season. Got us got us tripping, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's really busy right now internally. We're actually doing a lot of really cool stuff at IGN that I can't talk about right yeah. now. So just keep an eye out. Keep an eye on IGN. We're doing some things. Thank you so much for joining us, Paris. Yes, thank you for having me. It was really fun. Yeah, great talking to you. Thank you, Brandon, for hanging. Of course. Doing the show. Until next time, everybody, see you on the next episode. Bye. We are the hosts of Comic Sans, the podcast about comics for those who are sans knowledge. I'm Yen, a reader, writer, liver, and breather of comic books. And I'm Nat, and I know absolutely nothing about comics. Which makes both of us authorities in our respective fields. Exactly. Hey, wait. On Comic Sans, I make Nat read some of my favorite comics, including Sandman Saga and Laura Olympus. And Yen tells me what makes that comic special. Then I hear what Nat thinks, and I try to avoid a pulmonary embolism. While I actively try to give him one. Listen to Comic Sans on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can already binge our first season, and we just released a special bonus episode on Across the Spider-Verse. Hey, Nat, before we go, I'll give you 50 bucks if you can tell me what Comic-Con is. Is it related to Chili Con Carn? Do you mean chili con carne? Maybe we should be chili sands.